Hey, this is Denez. And this is Franny. And you're listening to Roll Call, a Versus special series on the past, future, and present of Black poetry and poetics. So this is episode three in Roll Call, the special six-part series happening in between seasons five and six of Versus. And this one is on Black literary friendships. Denez, can you tell us about this episode? Yeah, so this is a wonderful, cozy, warm episode hosted by Marissa Leah Ping, Brittany Rogers, and Ajane Dawkins, produced by Camille Mojica. And it's just, yeah, like I said, it's just such a warm, lovely conversation, them talking about their own questions and own curiosities into Black friendships, speaking to their own friendships and outside of it. And I think this one actually reminds me so much about getting into even doing verses with you, Franny. I think it, um, yeah, you know, you're you're one of my favorite Black people. Um, but also, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but in real life, like, I think there's such a powerful thing about um, kinship in poetry and art in general um, that I feel every time I step into the room with you. And it was wonderful to step into the room with these three writers as they think through some of these themes and ideas. So without any further ado, I'll drop y'all off into one of the warmest podcasts in the world. This is Black Literary Friendships. And in five, four, three, two. Hi, everybody. I'm Marissa Leoping. I usually hear pronouns. I'm from Brooklyn. I rep it hard. Right now, I'm living in Providence, Rhode Island. I'm a writer. I'm an artist. I'm a lover, a sister, a friend. All things that make me beautiful. So I don't know. I feel like check out my LinkedIn for the professional <laughs> stuff. But, you know, that's who I am at heart. I love that. That was real poetic. Um, my name is Brittany Rogers. I am from Detroit proper. I am an educator for high school students, and I'm also a poet and writer living in my city. I love that for you best. Um, my name is Ajne Dawkins. I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Michigan and New York, depending on who's asking. And um, I'm a poet and educator, and I currently live in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Welcome to our Radical Literary Friendship Special Edition of Verses. We're super excited to be here. Um, Yeah, I feel like it's so insane. Oh, go ahead, Ajane. No, you go, you go. Okay. I feel like it's so insane that we're all on this podcast because, what was it? Oh my God, a year and a half? Yeah, a year and a half. Oh my god, yo, that's wild. That's wild. A year and a half ago, we were all well. Brittany and Ajane, they're they've been best friends since before time, Um, (laughs) and you know we all applied to the MFA Creative Writing Program at Randolph College as poets, and we all got in, and we all became Blackburn Fellows, which we'll hear a little bit more about later. but that's what kind of brought us together, you know, and it's just so dope to like be amongst these two amazing, fierce Black women poets who are like doing such amazing work, being such amazing humans outside of their work and within their work. And like, shout out to Randall for the connections, but it will definitely go beyond that. So I'm excited. Shout out to Randolph. I think a huge part of what brought us here is the fact that we applied to Randolph and got accepted literally a week before um, the world as we know it (laughs) 
had its lovely unprecedented time and Ooh, we were shut yeah. down from then forward. So our first two semesters at our program were virtual. And mm-hmm. I think in a lot of ways, it made it so hard to like connect. Although I think they, you know, did a very good job of trying to make sure we were connected. So it was almost like the black girls was like, hey. We was, <laughs> hey, like, gang- we was, we was like, we ganging up on this thing together. And I think saying, well, no, I think we all, we always would have been gang gang. But I think right. COVID definitely had us on some extra like folks need support systems around here um yes i slid in britney's dms like ajanae's dms like oh they posted about y'all you the other you the other two okay anyone else what it do baby (laughs) and then we got lucky enough to have the same mentor for the first two semesters so we spent a lot of time writing together researching together studying together complaining together and at some point i think realized that we were developing a friendship and A, not only how valuable it was, but I think B, like beyond being valuable, we just realized how necessary it was, which yeah. led us to a lot of conversations around intimacy, around friendships, around how did the greats do this? Like, did they have, <laughs> we know they did, right? So this is what we would love to know more about. And that's how we came to talking about that with y'all today. Yes. And so this episode is really just an attempt to look at friendship and the literary lives of Black folks and how those two things intersect and who are the greats who are out here just living their best lives, like really kicking it up together and also who is out here in our contemporary literary lives um, really being sustained by friendship and how is that important for them and us and Black folks in general. So welcome to our little world. And I feel like it's because as Black people, like we are naturally collectivists. We don't exist on our own. And in the poetry world, that's even more heightened, right? We need community. For so many of us, we might have heard that poetry is a lonely sport, right? Or a lonely activity. And I think for so many Black poets, we know it to be communal. Yeah, for Um, sure. And I think some of, you know, Ajane was mentioning some of the greats that have came before us and one of the most uh, like I'm out here gay 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 like lesbian gang for real for life um just super queer and I think like I look at Pat Parker and Audre Lorde and I'm just like just like blushing y'all can't see it but I'm blushing right now it's just like it's just amazing no, I remember when I read their letters, I would be sending Ajane screenshots like this. This is how I feel about you. Yes. Um, but something that I stood love out it. to me most was like their, not even just, not just the conversations that they were able to have about publishing, because I felt like that was so important, right? Oh, I love the way Audrey would be like, listen, this is what this organization is going to do. Don't let them get you. Or these are the people that you need to talk to. Let me connect you. But I extra love how Mama Audrey would be like, I wrote you letters upon letters and you haven't answered yet. So like, are you trying to play me? And that for me was so endearing because I feel like I'm a person who needs a lot of reassurance. And that was the first thing that clued me into the fact that I'm like, oh, they're not just friends because they're both writers. This is an intimate, like important communal space. And it felt really affirming for me in terms of what I need from friendship spaces. 
Yes, it very, even though it was like these physical letters, it very much so felt like our version of the girl. I know you see these text messages. Like, I know you're looking at these messages. If you don't respond to me, <laughs> or I'm gonna come down there and we go see what's really good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think about when Pat Parker says, no, when Audrey Lord says to Pat Parker in the letter, when I didn't receive a letter and I'm paraphrasing, but like when I didn't receive a letter after 15 years mm. and I'm just like the intimacy there, like Brittany said, and like the platonic romance of like waiting for a letter from your friend for 15 years. And the kinship is that deep, you know, the sisterhood is yeah. that deep, like that, that really hit me um, in a way that's like, Oh, cause I got some friendships that I'm like, Oh, like <laughs> why you ain't me back sis you know what I'm saying um we're like why you not giving me feedback on my poems you don't fuck with me no more <laughs> you don't you don't mess with me no more um that timeline of like I haven't spoken to you in this long something feels wrong and I know we could pick up where we left off but like I don't know I just feel that void being filled with so much intimacy and love and like romance in the most platonic way, but in the most power longing. longing. Yes. Yeah. But to tell us more yes. longing. Tell us more. I'm just, I'm just thinking about, cause me and Brittany talk a lot about romance and platonic intimacy and friendships. And I think about the ways we talk, we think about missing our partners are like missing folks but what it means to like really long for someone and like long for their place in your life and like want to know what's going on with them and obviously these were like different times and access was not what it was in the same capacity but also to not have I think given up on that relationship and for that longing to have sustained her you yeah, know what I mean I like to be sustained by the desire for someone. Sorry, Ajane. Uh No, go ahead. I think too, that also makes me think about not just the longing, but the vulnerability that had to be present yeah. to say, I've been waiting all this time and I'm still waiting and to keep reaching out. And I think that, I don't know, just that transparency and that vulnerability and conversation really, really shows me the intimacy in their friendship because it's hard to reach out if you've been the person not being answered and it's hard to reach out to when you're the person who hasn't answered. I know if I like slacked on text messages after a while, it gets to where I'm like, oh, I can't even respond back because I'm gonna be embarrassed, right? If they messaged me three yeah. weeks ago, do they even still wanna talk to me? Mm. So to just, I don't know, think about that vulnerability and that certainty and knowing I'm just gonna keep reaching out because I know at some point yeah. you're gonna respond back. And I think, reading their letters um and also a word to Erica Foreman because Erica Foreman is the person who was like oh child if you're looking at tenderness this is who you need to be reading um and recommended yeah. this text to me has been foundational in the way that I look at friendship and um intimacy for sure and I feel like it's holding space for their humanity like you know when you be going through things and I always send my friend messages and I'd be like, you don't got to respond, but just know that I'm thinking about you. You know, th that's what the letter felt like to yeah. me. Like, I'm going to keep writing because I know you're in a space, but I want you to know when you get out that I'm going I'm to still be here. Then I'm you know, um, and I don't know, mm -hmm. I guess like looking at Pat and Audrey's friendship 
And the way that also their friendship was like, not for show. You know what I'm saying? Like there wasn't no IG back in the day, but like they wasn't on IG like, oh, that's my best. Well, I don't know if we could be singing songs and stuff without getting, um, (laughs) but like they weren't on IG, Instagram. They weren't on Instagram back in the day flaunting their friendship. They were invested in this even when no one was watching. Right, like the yeah. friendship and the yes. sisterhood and the kinship was not um, performative, performative, right? And also, yeah. it wasn't sexual. And as like a queer black woman, it's really hard to be friends with other women without it evolving into something else. And I don't know. I guess just thinking about Pat and Audrey, it makes me want to like reflect on our own friendships, right? And you know, mm-hmm. are there friendships in y'all lives that you feel like? have nourished you, have been there 15 letters later. Um, yeah. Best, you want to go first? Oh, for sure. Okay. Um, I was just thinking, I mean, too many to count, honestly. I think that's a space. Friendship is a space where I feel very blessed and very lucky to be surrounded by folks who love me the way that I love them and who show up for me. Um, Ajene Dawkins is absolutely one of them. Uh, spoiler alert, right? Love you. Uh, who I've been friends with for over a decade at this point. Mars Marshall is a very deep and close friend of mine. Um, Phoenix, like hella Detroit folks. I feel like I've been blessed in that my poet friends were also in some way orbiting as friends before we were poets. And our friendship was cemented outside of that space. And I think that if I stopped writing tomorrow, those friendships would still be what they were. And I think that that's what sustains us largely. So yeah, I'm grateful for them. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, Brittany, obviously. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Clearly. Clearly. And I think thinking about the literary aspect of it, I think a lot of us have connected over poems and poems were what maybe brought me to people. I think, you know what, this is kind of making me think of when people always say that like writing saved their Mm. lives. And that's not to say that for some people, it's not true that the act of writing saved their lives. I think for me, it's the people that writing brought me to save my life. Um, Because because I was writing, I ended up in a space in the time high school was ghetto y'all okay so um because I was writing I ended up in a space where I could be a more full version of myself and I ended up in a space where I ended up developing relationships that just did not exist in the other spaces that I was in and those relationships sustained me and with those relationships came work on craft and work on poems and people telling me that my poems was too doggone line too doggone long (laughs) and you know they didn't know what I was talking about and I was using too many images trying to avoid the point and it also came with people nourishing me and just checking on me and doing all those things and those are relationships that exist as far as like my core group of friends 10 years later um so that's definitely Brittany Miana shout out to my other best um Ari Grover Justin who um, I'm married to by the way (laughs) I should have shouted that (laughs) out listen we keep it keep listen we we really kept it close I love that for us um And so I think I feel nourished by what writing Mm. brought me to 
and out of that nourishment my writing developed um as opposed to it like it being like writing was the thing that saved my life I think writing is like the compulsion but the 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 it's the compulsion. It's the thing I was going to do, whether I was doing well or yes. not. Like it was the relationships that made sure I was doing well yeah. while I did the thing. <laughs> I, I love that because there's a version of myself that's a writer, but is a trash person. <laughs> and that version would be very, I would look like a very different person without y'all for sure. So the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I don't know if everybody has those radical literary friendships. And I think like I'm on this podcast, right? We're having this conversation, which is super dope. And I have Brittany and Aljanae and I'm so grateful and, and a few more other people who I really hold really close to and are in great conversation with my art and with me. But I, I can't say that like, I have a really large poetry community. Um, or that mm. I think a lot of my closest friends are not poets. And I guess like for anybody who's out there listening, who's like, I don't have that yet, but I want to know how, like I'm on here, to, I'm on this, this same way with you about like, how do we look back to the past to see what they created and how do we cultivate that in the coming time now I'm also like really awkward and anxious Abby you know full-on anxiety and it's just sometimes can be really difficult to navigate poetry spaces when we talk about scarcity when we talk about competition when we talk about imposter syndrome you know so I don't I ask the question but and I'm sitting here getting emotional and I'm like I have people but I don't know it feels complicated and I think that's so real because part of, I think, what helped our like squad of folks be able to kind of sustain a relationship was how young we were when we first started, like our friendship, and we came up and slammed together. And I don't think we had the pressure of like, you know, what felt like the business of poetry, if you will. So all we did was write and travel to slams together because we wanted to slam and, you know, read each other's very long, very unedited poems. <laughs> <laughs> and that made it so much easier. I don't think there felt like a scarcity because there did it didn't feel high stakes, if that makes sense. And so I absolutely, or not high stakes in terms of we're both trying to win like the same award or we're both applying to the same school as, you know, obviously we were able to do. But I think 10 years into a friendship, that's the sort of thing we don't think about. Whereas I definitely, I feel you, Marissa, have we been trying to start that in the middle of community or, you know, what poets love to call community, but that's a podcast for a different day. Um, I think that might've felt a little different. No, I 10 out of 10 agree. And I was thinking about the age that we came in, but also I think the way capitalism in a lot of ways has capitalism and also just the politics and culture of the spaces yes, have yes. manipulated these things because you're not you, you aren't going into spaces to quote unquote build organic relationships you're it's you you're told to go network you're told to go do all of this stuff which at this point I'm like I'm not good at that okay <laughs> either we're gonna be friends or we're not but <laughs> I, I don't know how to pretend to care about folks so um if and I think I think I agree with what Brittany said um, in terms of 
in terms of the ability to build relationships without those things looming. I know that was one of the things that we really connected with in the Pat Parker and Audrey Lord um, thing where I believe it was Audrey who um, assist, essentially reached out to Pat and was like, yo, essentially they're trying to put us against each other and like, we're not about to yes. go for it. Like it's not about to pop off. They're not about, I don't know if it was like over some money or something, but she was like, be clear this friendship is more important than any of these other things and um, okay mama audrey was period and period and i just think about that with some of the stuff that i feel like Brittany, even me and you have come up against in relation to this like us getting into randolph when we i don't know if you want to tell this story with me best um but just thinking about scarcity and competition and what it looks like to resist that i feel like part of it has been about imagining that there's more abundance than what like capitalism is trying to tell us there is or than what systems are trying to tell us there is because when we applied for randolph one we were applying to the same schools I think our list with the exception of like one or two schools was virtually the same, um, which makes a lot of sense because black women, (laughs) you know, but whatever, that's, that's besides the point. Um, And not only that, but we both decided that Randolph was our number one pick. We were like, all right. And they were a very new program are are still a very new program, but they had one uh, fellowship and it was the Blackburn fellowship and only one person had gotten it before because they were literally that new so the one person that got it so we assumed that this fellowship goes to one person because one person got it the year before so when me and Brittany talked about it she was like I need the fellowship I was like girl I need the fellowship too we was like all right so we both want <laughs> to get the fellowship <laughs> And we literally prayed for it. We was like, we praying that we both get this fellowship. And then to find out that the abundance was not even just about us two, but was about like three black women operating in that space. And there being, you know, enough space for the three of us. Um, Yeah, I feel like I feel like a lot of that, that battle starts in like refusing to like internalize that stuff and being like I don't care what they said and I think what was also helpful for me and Marissa like you could chime in because I don't even know if there was any or what concern felt like on your end applying to a program in a space where like Ajane said scarcity is a thing and wondering do they even have enough spots for me am I going to get in like is there is this my one shot to get in um for me I'm doing an MFA a little bit like later I'm not fresh out of undergrad so there were like tense moments around that but there was never a space in which I was like, if Ajane gets this and I don't, or if I get it and Ajane doesn't, that this is going to impact any part of our real life. Um, if anything yeah. is like, okay, mm-hmm. we these are we've edited each other's applications, we have read. There's not a poem that I have written over the past ten plus years that Ajane has not seen at some point in time. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't think that there was ever a space that felt like things were going to change if we did not. And I think that that also contributes to us not feeling like, okay, there is no competition because you winning is like me winning. Um, and not in terms of I'm we're, we're sharing a reward, but it's like, oh, that makes me just as happy if I know that I did not win a thing, but this person who I love so deeply did, then, you know, for me, it's like, what's the difference? <laughs> what difference does it make? Um, and I guess that's something that was cool. Yeah, I think I was definitely surprised to see that there were three Blackburn fellows, considering that there was one the year before. And I was also like super hyped, like 
super dope. And I think I'd been aware of like you, Brittany and Ajanae, but I, we've never like interfaced. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I was like, oh, I know mm-hmm. of these people, but I don't really know them. And then I think when like competition and scarcity, I felt like I didn't have the bandwidth to think about that. Yeah. Because I'm, I consider myself like, I, I don't always know what's going on in the poetry community because I don't have a bunch of poetry friends. Like a lot of my <laughs> friends are in other industries or they're creatives, but they're not poets. That's right? a blessing. Um, and it, it is, it is a great blessing because poets drive me nuts. Love y'all to death. <laughs> uh, but it's also a beautiful thing. I would never forget, like, I think some, I'm not recalling who said this to me, but somebody said, like, it's so cool to be around. I think somebody said it at our first residency, like, to be in a room with someone who is obsessed about the same thing that you are. Yeah. And I was like, mm. that is what it means to be in a room full of poets. You know what I'm saying? Where, like, I say something and they get just as excited as I am, right? Um, but because I, I mean, I didn't really have an understanding of like low res, high res, top programs, not top programs, who's at this program. Like I didn't have that context. So it felt like, although I had a previous master's degree, I felt like I was first gen all over again, um, Mm -hmm. and entering and applying for the MFA and, figuring out like how do you know what's the best program for you like that's the thing you tell and I and I have a background in higher ed so I'm like we tell college students like oh you got to make sure this is a good fit and I'm like how do you know it's a good fit I don't know (laughs) if it's a good fit like so I don't know it it was it was weird but I was just surprised that I got into programs you know I think that like again not having that poetry community can lead to like imposter syndrome so I was just like oh my god I can't believe I got into program got into this program like you know but also in the same breath I had to remind myself like oh my god this program is so lucky that I've accepted Listen. it's so lucky that like my yes came through the door and I think that's been a really great fruit of this friendship of like always being reminded of like my worth and my value being in community with you all as Brittany mentioned we had our first um semester we had our first two semesters with the same faculty mentor and it just felt so great to have to be insulated I I say that word like I feel insulated by our friendship you know to know that like all right I could put a trash poem out there but it's not hitting concrete (laughs) you know what I'm saying like it's some real soft pillow cushiony truth um that's gonna tell you this is not giving what it was supposed to give but here's but we still believe in you right um (laughs) to kind of echo back on what you were saying a minute ago I think what I value most about being able to work with y'all was that things felt like less of a mystery um so seeing like oh friends are able to share resources you know about this place that's publishing this type of work marissa would dm me all the time with you know hey i don't know if you've seen this contest but this looks like a great fit for your work and that's something that we appreciate yeah i feel like so much of the literary again community kind of quote unquote is shrouded in like this sense of secrecy secrecy because there is this sense of like competitiveness or even if we're not talking about secrecy just maybe people don't have the time or you know there, there just seems to be a lot of conversations that happen behind closed doors and not yeah. necessarily that are forward facing mm-hmm. that feel very, very mysterious to people who are newer poets 
or even poets who just don't feel like they have as much community or are as tapped in. And so many poets are awkward. Like we're all just in our feelings, in a bag, <laughs> it's thinking rough. about life it's through metaphors rough. and similes and automatopias. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, oh, that felt like kabam. Yes. I can't name it, but it was kabam. You know what I'm saying? And I think that like for people who are tuning in, who are like, all right, but I don't got this, but I want it. I think something that I've been encouraged from by Brittany is to be like, and Ajane is to, Brittany is just like, yeah, I think you're cool. I want to be your friend. And I remember Brittany was like, yeah, I don't know if you know this person, but we're friends. I believe in making it plain. Okay. I'm you know what I'm saying? But I Brittany think does. there's someone out there who like, you really love, like now I feel so encouraged. And then Ajane is just so authentically herself. She's like, you know what? This is who I am. You gonna love it or Period. you gonna love it, you know? So it gives me courage. <laughs> Not you gonna love it. it. For real though, but it gives me courage to be like, all right, anxious Abby is who I am. You gonna love it or you gonna love it? And I'm gonna come up to you and I'm gonna tell you, I think you're really cool as a person and your poems are the plus and that I wanna continue to build with you as a person and get to know you more. Because I think it's really important to differentiate that like we are human beings who make art. We are not just solely mm-hmm. poets, right? And you know, we know that we have our amazing friendships and extended friendships outside of us, but we also wanted to know like, how are other people building black literary friendships? You know, how are they being sustained in this poetry world as a person and as a poet. I was I was actually super caught up with something that you had said previously. So I was still like ruminating and the wheels were turning about um, like you talking about imposter syndrome. And I was thinking about the way that in conjunction with the scarcity and competition impacts our ability to engage with friendships. And I've been working through like this like these theories about like what actually causes imposter syndrome to to manifest in us and my most recent theory is that part of the issue is the way that we elevate and put people on pedestals in Mm -hmm. our mind um so if I have this idea if I've never met Brittany before and all I see is I go to Brittany's Instagram and I see she's the editor of Muzzle and she's fine you know what I mean and you know fine um just want to put that in the atmosphere let us know the the nail let Let, us hear it let us hear it oh yes period period okay so I go on Instagram and I find out that she's a co-editor of Muzzle and she's a teacher and she's this like bomb poet and she is absolutely fine and like looks good all the time and it's absolutely ridiculous I could be mad intimidated when I go see Britney because I have her like elevated to this yeah. idea of something I've made her this thing um that is not human that is beyond human I've also separated her from mm-hmm. myself because I see myself with all my fullness and all my flaws and a lot of times we're seeing artists through art and through um things that they've curated and edited and collaborated with on and like 
sent through community for double checking before they put these things out into the atmosphere. And so then we get into spaces and we see these people that we've only known through social media and through art and through all of these things. And we feel like we don't measure up and it's impossible to build genuine friendships with hey, people uh, that you have hey, elevated uh, in any kind of space or sometimes not elevated somebody that yes, you dismissed yes. and you, for whatever reason, ego is tearing you up and you think you <laughs> like, you think you better than them. Um, and I think, I also think that is a big shift as well, because I feel like most of the time when we were going into spaces earlier on, we didn't know who nobody was. We were finding out in real time. Like you didn't know who wrote good poems or who didn't until they started reading them at the slam. You know what I mean? And we and you were communing with everyone before that. Um, So I was just thinking about that, like with you talking about imposter syndrome and like the way I think what some of the things that I think the culture and the politics of everything how it pushes imposter syndrome and then how imposter syndrome like erodes the ability to build actual relationships in this space um and then you start looking at people as like somebody who's going to pull you up or down as opposed to like somebody you're going to be in relationship with and so also it's easy to look at somebody as competition that way because you immediately are there's it's an immediate space of comparison yes, I'm like I just retweet 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 I'm so glad you said all of that I think it's also like there are some people who are amazing poets and not great people yes and when I say people I'm not yes. pointing the finger at anyone else but myself like there's been moments in my life where mm. I couldn't show up as a as a like the best friend that I wanted to be yeah. was I writing cool poems maybe maybe not you know but like as a person I wasn't in a good space right and I think like that pedestal putting people on a pedestal and you know creating this illusion of scarcity is also tied to that I agree and I also think that has to do with like people's expectations right so expecting more of a space or more of a person than what they have offered to give I think to me is a surefire mm-hmm. way to, you know, ruin a relationship. And I think that as poets, sometimes we go into things with like our heart full fledged, you know? So we see somebody at the mm-hmm. open mic or we see somebody at the event or the reading and we're like, oh, they seem so great. And then now there's this, you know, kind of build up or these tense moments where there don't need to be um, tense moments because you've expected a thing that was never communicated. Um, or, and I mean, if we're just gonna put it all the way on the table, I think that there are also people who just have ill intent, right? So if you are a person yeah. who's like, oh, well, I need to make it to this space or I need to meet this person so I can publish in this space, that's not approaching a thing from a space of like genuine transparent relationship. And I mean, I don't know about other folks, but I just feel like that's not necessarily a good way to try to maneuver through writing or try to maneuver through anything poetry or life related because I think it sets people up for failure and it sets you up to be no, able to you know all of these poets and are you beefing with everybody and how are you beefing with everybody <laughs> how does that happen <laughs> ain't because ain't that much drama in the world honestly <laughs> I and I think that goes back to the question you asked earlier is like why do you want these relationships why do you want to be friends with people because I'm like I can tell you why I want to be friends with Brittany and Marissa and as bomb as their poems are it don't have nothing to do with it like Brittany could never write another poem a day in her life well she can't because <laughs> we I'd be like girl what is you doing okay but 
if Brittany never wrote another poem a day in her life, like it's us to the end, like period. If Marissa never writes another poem a day in her life, like I'm still about to be at this virtual housewarming. If Brittany, you know what I'm yeah, saying? And I think that also comes in being able to differentiate between like friend and classmate and colleague and adjusting expectations in that way because I know that this show is about friendship which is very important and I think that what's equally important is not trying to make everybody your friend <laughs> because <laughs> what my mom used to say everybody ain't your little friend Brittany <laughs> just because they laugh and kiki with yeah. you that doesn't mean that that's your friend and I think sometimes we do our own hearts a disservice when we are anticipating something from somebody that they are not able to give so then maybe can we do a defining of friendship and community as we like are getting ready to move forward and and looking at like some of our interviewees yeah. and like some of the stuff like how how do we define friendship? I really love and- that question of how, about how do we define friendship, Ajanae, because I have been like doing like this friendship cleanse and like putting a lot of work into like a lot of my friendships and relationships in my life over the last two years and as someone who's like a writer and I work full-time and I'm a full-time student and I have a chronic illness, like for me, a friend is someone who can hold space for all that I am. Like if you cannot show up, if you, if you could be there when it's time to celebrate my birthday, but you can't be there when I'm having a flare up, you're not a friend. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you can't sit in silence with me, if you can't kiki with me about random things, you know, if I can't send you random flowers I send on the sh- I seen on the street, like you're not a friend. So for me, it's about the bandwidth. Like, can you be both and? Because I am very multifaceted and I need someone who can be both and. And I think that's what I'm thinking about, like the friend of like all friends. But I think something that I realized is that like, not every friend is going to be that person. So I don't think there's a universal definition for like, that's like the friend of all friends, but I don't think there's like a universal definition for like friends, right? Like there's some friends who like, you know, when I find a really amazing poet, I'm not sending that to my friend who's like a software engineer. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? They're like, Marissa, I love you. And I support your art. Mm -hmm. (laughs) just just send me your poems you know what I'm saying like just send me your poem like I want to support you you know what I'm saying or if I find a video that's like about hospitality like I'm gonna send that to my friend who works in hospitality industry so I think like it's not a universal definition um and there are some friends that are good for venting and there are some friends that are good for like hikes you know you need to have a friend who can swim just in case um (laughs) So I don't know. Does I'm that, not that does, friend, first I'm, I am not that friend. I am looking for swimmers. I'm that Great. friend. I will go hiking. I will go swimming. Um, I think friendship for me uh, is, is definitely like a skill, right? Like you said, everyone is not going to show mm-hmm. up the same way. All of my friendships have not existed in the same space and time. All of my friends are not poets. <laughs> um, but I think what is most consistent about all of them is that my friends are someone who I feel like I can be myself with without filter. If I find myself constantly like filtering in the conversation through whatever reason, I'm like, oh, this is probably not, you know, a good friend for me, which don't make you a terrible person. Again, you could be a colleague, a, a, a coworker, a lot of things, but maybe not someone who I would seek if I needed to talk or needed to vent or just needed to be in space with someone. Um, 
And I'm a person who is is very communal. So I need to be in space with folks a lot, uh, but but tiny spaces with folks <laughs> to also clarify. I'm not extroverted. I just, my community helps me feel tethered to the rest of the world. Um, and I also am very busy. I have three kids. I have a full-time teaching job, et cetera, et cetera. So when I feel like I am showing up and this is a space that brings me more joy as opposed to being a space that is depleting, that's typically where I'm like, oh, I have found a homie. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would second what both of y'all said, 10 out of 10. Um, I don't remember where I read this. I remember if somebody tweeted this or something. I probably should look it up because I don't remember who said it, but somebody said something along the lines of, um, if you're 99% known, then you're unknown. And that really tore me up because I was like, oh, dang, like, that means like if I'm like holding things back in my most intimate of friendships, I'm still unknown. I don't know that that, that applies to every tier. I think I agree with y'all. There are like tiers. There's all of this stuff. But um, I think about friendship as a space where there's not another mm, motive yes. other than the relationship. Um, I love that. And that doesn't mean there aren't, that doesn't always mean there aren't other benefits. Like there are plenty benefits to being Britney's friend. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> on Thanksgiving, okay? Benefits, all right? If y'all never had Britney's turkey greens, let me tell you something, okay? There are plenty benefits to being Marissa's friend. Um, but the motive has nothing to do with those mm. things. And um, I think I think that is like the defining thing for me or the difference. So, um, which I think kind of presses into this idea of like what it looks like to care more about the human than the art. I think that's so important. And like even bigger than the friendship is the human. Because I think that friendships mm -hmm. like any other relationship can be so fragile. Um, and so many things can come in the way of like cultivating a good relationship or a good friendship. And I think it's just so much easier when you care about who the person is aside from the fact that they're your friend. Like if, you know, heaven forbid we fell out tomorrow, but I still care about you as a person. Um, and the answer is yes, but also we're not falling out tomorrow. <laughs> I was about to say, but also the fallout wouldn't be real. You can be mad <laughs> if you want to, girl, I will see you soon. <laughs> see you next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> See you soon, girl. Attitude at all. I feel like a really good example of that is Willie Kennard the third and their beloved friend Asia. Um, we asked yes. them like we asked Willie, how has your friendship with Asia impacted your life? And who would you be without that friendship? I think Without Asia, I would probably be as lost as Ruby without Sapphire on Steven Universe. Together, I feel like we are a literary garnet. <laughs> I feel that without the friendship of her, I don't, I don't feel like I would be the artist that I am. Without Asia, honestly, like words almost don't even make sense. I was so moved by Willie's 
friendship can I mean friendship feels like like similarly to Audrey Lord and Pat Parker like friendship doesn't even feel like enough there's a kinship there right um that is so much deeper than like friends like when we think about like as a poet we think about yeah. language and like diction and like the word friend doesn't feel like it holds the capacity for what they have right um and, and the most like Oh, intimate, what are you saying? Not that. Yeah, so I think that like, I, I, I don't even know. Like I, I was like prepping for this podcast and I was like, how do I even like talk about their friendship? When I hear about it, I'm just so moved beyond language mm-hmm. because the love is that present. I don't know, maybe Brittany and Ajane has thoughts, but like, you ever met or heard of two people where like you were just so moved by the connection and the kinship and the accountability and care that they have for one another that it's like how do I how do I even you know I think the thing that struck me most about Willie's friendship with Asia is the way that they talked about uh, how they made each other better people because I think that's what we're talking about ultimately when we think about caring more about the person. Like, yeah, your art is great, but as we mentioned earlier, you could be a great artist and maybe not the best human. You can be the great artist, a great artist and maybe not a good friend. So in what ways are you, in what ways am I holding you to your ethics? In what way am I letting you know like, hey, look, I love you, but that thing that you did was foul or, you're not showing up for your folks or you're not showing up for yourself. Like in what ways can I challenge you to be mm-hmm. the best version of yourself in a way that goes beyond poetry? Cause I think that it's cool to have a friend who can look at your poems and be like, ooh child, you use this cliche like 10 times, like give it up. <laughs> but I also think it's even more fruitful or has been more fruitful for me to have a person who can say, ooh sis, you really seem like you hiding from yourself right now what's going on. Yes, all of that. Oh. <laughs> At me, Brittany. If you really, if you really want to throw Brittany the coming shots. for next, like we doing the, the workshop shot, on I the swear, podcast. I swear. At me. <laughs> no shots. Yeah, no. <laughs> that that definitely got me the sense of accountability to each other, and really specifically, I'm thinking about moments where Willie is mentioning again thinking more thinking still about this idea of the human and the art where Willie is talking about like having open conversations about like what the art is doing to the person so like um when he was asking questions like is this art re-traumatizing me or traumatizing me and how am I taking care of myself so like that kind of knowing um that is stuff that your friends would care about the audience don't really care about the audience typically cares if the work is good Folks typically don't care if the work or the labor to produce the work is re-traumatizing you. They care about the product. Um, And so I thought that was important, but also the intimacy and the way that Willie speaks about Asia. Oh my gosh, there's one part where he literally is like, words almost have no meaning Mm -hmm. outside of her. I was like, (laughs) what? I was like, what? The romance, the intimacy. Words have like not a love, but friendship. 
Words have no but meaning. you know what that makes me think of, Ajane? <laughs> um, and <laughs> it's going to seem like a shameless plug, but it's not. But I think we've talked often about how after you're friends for so long, there's almost like this combined language that you have that is unintentional. Yes. But at this point, there's certain things that I don't have to say. So even in workshop, like I can send Ajane a poem or Ajane can send me a poem and we show up to workshop with it. But Ajane's comments may seem like harsh or even lacking to other people. But I'm like, no, I know exactly what she means. I've been listening to her talk to me about my poems for 10 years. So there are certain things that she doesn't have to say in which I know that when she wrote question mark next to there, she was like, are you really gonna try this again right now? Or if there's a line where it's like, can you push here? That's her saying, ma'am, I've seen you use this image too many times. What are we gonna do? <laughs> and that abbreviated language is really its own set of like, it's its own love and instruction and intimacy, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Brittany, you've literally, I've literally given you poems and you've literally crossed out every line of the poem except the last one and handed it back to me in the book. Here you go. <laughs> like this trifling I know where the truth begins okay listen <laughs> and then the beginning and end of your comments where the poem starts here see it when you rewrite see it when you rework you it the rewrite number two but um, tell them that that rewrite is fire okay so let's tell the whole story the rewrite does go I go back to a question you asked a little while ago Marissa about friendships that we've seen where this type of caring is taking place and I think mm -hmm. uh, the great Mother Toni Morrison and the great Sonia Sanchez are also an example for me and like beacons who I look towards, mm. especially, especially looking at the documentary um, that came out. Was that 2019? Uh, Toni yeah. Morrison's documentary. Oh my gosh. Was it Girl, what is time? I think so, right? It's in the in the before time. I know that it was in the pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Um, That's all we can reference. And I remember it so distinctly because me and Ajane went for my birthday um, and we sat in the scooter mm -hmm. and we held hands the whole time and just cried <laughs> watching that documentary. It was very <laughs> ugly. But part of it, I think for me was because not only I'm watching people whose work I read so many times, I can, I can quote you lines who I'm like deeply devoted to in that way, but watching folks who so clearly and so deeply love each other in a way that felt so instructive and so healing and so communal um, and so very Black. And so very, to watch yes. the documentary and hear them talking trash about who cooks better food, <laughs> um, who shows up with the best recipes was really beautiful to me. But I think it also just, it really modeled the type of tenderness that can exist in friendship forever. And that was something that I was looking at. And I'm like, Dad, how long have they been friends? Like, yes. Oh, or even who delivered the news to Tony? Yes. That she got her Pulitzer. I don't remember who it was. Who Do you remember who it was that called her? I think it was Sonia Sanchez. I think it was. Was it Sonia? I, yeah, I couldn't remember. But just the idea that like, sis called at like 1 a.m. Like, girl, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. <laughs> Guess what you did. <laughs> <laughs> girl like and I, think, I no. love that the idea of like who are you who who in the midst of all of these literary accomplishments letdowns whatever who is the one calling you who is the one yeah. celebrating with you who is the one like waking you up saying no we need to 
know and see and see you in this fullness Where's right now. Let me tell no 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 hold up Brittany. Let me tell oh, y'all <laughs> how I always gotta tell Brittany if I have to find out about something on Instagram <laughs> I'll be finding out she a finalist and she be winning stuff on Instagram. I'm like, Instagram. But we have numbers. Oh, not the way you drag it. <laughs> so I just, I just have to like piggyback on what I, Janae said of like, you know, I'll be seeing stuff and I'll be having a phone to friend. I be, Brittany knows what it is when I just send her a screenshot <laughs> with an emoji. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh, so this will be doing. You know what I'm saying? But that's because I'm excited and I want to celebrate my friends, you know, and celebrate their greatness and not in a yeah. um, external way. But like, let me send you a text and just let you know I'm real proud of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I see you. Aww. And I know that sometimes in this mm-hmm. large poetry world, it can feel like we miss the small wins sometimes. Mm. And we don't even yeah. see them as big wins. And I will never forget um, Nico Anon. I think that's his name. Ugh, I can't say it. Um, somebody has said to him, like, oh, I can't wait till you make it. And he said, oh, sweetheart, I done already made it. Period. You you missing it. You missing Period. it. You got to pay attention, you know. Um, but yes. I also just wanted to jump in and say that, like, I am not, texting is not my ministry for meaningful conversation. Who come on? Felt it in my spirit. You already know the vibes. Texting is not my ministry, and I was so moved by Pat Parker and Audrey Lord writing letters to each other during a time which I feel like letters were more popular. But you know, mm-hmm. I just started hopping on my email and emailing my friends' letters. And some responded and some didn't, you know, some people have different love languages. Um, but I think that like, they inspired me. Cause I was like, damn, what I'm gonna look like in the 21st century, 2021 year going on 2022, writing my friend's letters, but I just did it, you know, and I write letters to poets who I love as well. And I don't mm-hmm. like writing letters. This is not a thing that I enjoy, just so y'all know. But like, I do it because I'm so inspired and I'm so invested in like kinship and giving people their flowers while they can smell them and, and finding multiple ways to be in communication because I'm like, who's going to be reading the Marissa Ann letters 10 years from now? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yeah. During my first, uh, no, during my second semester, I've been service engine my fees. And that, what you just said reminded me of the conversation we had about letter writing, because what we were talking about was being able to like reach out to friends when we don't have anything left to reach out with. Um, and so as I was like kind of trying to get my creative whatever going in the middle of these, you know, gestures wildly at these times and pregnant and all of those things, letter writing was something that Angel asked me had I been considering, but also Angel kind of like encouraged me to surround myself with things from my community and from my kin. And it's so ironic because one of the first things that I found after she encouraged me to do that was a letter um, that my best friend wrote me years and years and years ago. Um, And my best friend's name is Danielle White. Uh, She is no longer living. But she was an actor and a screenwriter. And in the poem that she wrote me, and it's like, yeah, it's, it's yellowed at this point. 
um, it had to have been one of those letters, you know, that we was putting in people's memory books the last couple of weeks of school in our senior year, we met as freshmen in high school. So I don't even know, what I'm trying to say is that I don't know how this letter survived anything. Um, but it was like maybe a day after this conversation with Angel and the next day I go and open a drawer and there that letter is. And in that letter, she's telling me like, okay, I know that you're gonna grow up and you're gonna be a poet and a writer and I can't wait to read your work. And I'm gonna grow up and I'm going to do this. And now I keep it um, next to me anytime that I'm writing because that letter is like the last, um, it is the last thing that I have of her. So it's so resonant, Marissa, for you to be talking about these letters and how valuable and important they are because I think that we don't think about it. We're completely digital, right? But that, that archival that somebody can touch, you know, it, it means something significant. Yeah. And what I'm hearing you say, Brittany, is like, their words had an impact on you. Yeah. Their livelihood had an impact on you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the person who permissioned you to be a poet, you know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh yeah, you can do this. It was such a gift to read. It felt like something that could have been written yesterday. So again, I took it as a gift from Angel and a gift from Danielle because I'm like, oh, sure do you know I needed this right now. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of... Um, Cornelius Edie and Toy Derricotte and mm -hmm. the way that mm -hmm. Cornelius talks about the impact that Toy Derricotte had on his life mm -hmm. like I don't think y'all hearing me was gorgeous like yeah. a homie says can I call you homie homie says <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I'm so glad I didn't have a different 25 years without you The best way to describe how Toy Derricotte has impacted my life is to say, and I think Toy feels the same way, is that there is clearly a before Toy world I lived and walked through, and an after Toy world from which I speak to you now. How best to describe it? Like living in a cave before fire, and after it's lit, like a plate of dull food, reborn, after the shifts carried spices over the land roots and water, like a baby brain, before the eyes scan the page for the first time, and those squiggles turn into language. I prefer the post-toy world, because it is filled with things I didn't think I needed then. How the deep, and complicated ways friendship and trust works. Toy has been my guide, my defender, my questioner, the brake pedal on my impatience, the reality check to my ego, the flint and spark to my voice when it's dampened by fear. She's that kind of a friend. I thank the fates I didn't get to live a different 25 years. Who, who don't want me yes, for 25 it was, years? Let me know. Let me know. 
I was about to say me and who, <laughs> but me and Brittany. Um, <laughs> it was it for me. It was the um. Oh my gosh, the line there's there's just before toy and after toy, yes! like so impactful this is a terrible comparison so not comparing this in like a bad way but in the way that like covid has like so like irrevocably undone our lives that we're literally measuring time as like before and after like to have a person but in the positive like to have a thing so bomb somebody so popping come into your life that it's like who i was before this person and who i was after this person and i love it because a lot of people make those references to um, familial or non-platonic relationships. So who I was before I became a wife or a husband or a partner, you know, what, whatever, or who I was before I became a mother, a father, a parent, but not in friendship. And that like distinction of these timelines of you can trace who I've been by this person, whoo, the intimacy is what I stand for, it's y'all. Transformative love. It's my me. thing. For me, it's my thing, y'all. It's one of my faves is also for me how long the the length of time that you've known a person can mark so much and can deepen so much too. Like yes. um in 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 the wild times, in the wild year, uh <laughs> my birthday party and my baby shower had to be virtual. And my birthday party, I feel like especially, um, Ajane threw me like a virtual birthday party that I didn't have any information for, but show up on this Zoom at this time. And the it was cute. The range of, of folks who were on the call for me was like, a, oh, she's known me forever because she knew to invite my sons who I crossed with in 2006 and she knew to invite my favorite cousin and she knew to invite, you know what I'm saying? Folks from residency and folks from Water at Home. And just these people that span all of these different points of my life. And I've always joked and said that you don't even really start knowing me until we've been friends for at least five years. <laughs> because you have to also, I think, I think it's impossible to know me without knowing my relationship with Ajane or seeing how deeply that relationship functions, right? Like there's a me that doesn't exist without this friendship and not knowing that's like really codependent. It's just, there are things that Ajane has taught me, you know what I'm saying? That other folks haven't taught me or there are things that Mars has taught me that show up in the way that I communicate day to day. Um, mm-hmm. And those things I think are hard to, to separate. You know what I mean? It's hard to filter through and say what I would have known or who I would have been without the presence of that person and that wisdom and that craft. Yeah, Brittany, I'm hearing you talking about time. And I resonate with that so deeply. Um, And I just want to read this clip by um, Cornelius. Um, I'm so moved because I think of you, Brittany, and I'm like, oh, Brittany knows knows the things you know I just ain't knows the things I'm out here getting my little poetry dictionary trying to find the things or how to say the things right um and Cornelia says some people consider me wise I will simply say that it is a byproduct of learning how to be Toy Derricotte's friend and Toy learning to be mine mm. which is so beautiful I'm just like what's are the best people in the world but that's what I'm hearing you saying with your friendship with like Ajane and Mars and myself and like like it takes time but also your wisdom is a collective wisdom yes right 
Um, and yeah. I feel that too. Like I, I call my friends all the time and I'm like, you know what Brittany just taught me? You know what I learned from my generic residence? You know, it's always like, here is the collective knowledge that's being passed. And then they pass it to their friends and, and so on and so on. And it's like, it reminds me of, um, I'm forgetting the, how to say it in the language, but the African proverb of like, I am because you are, or I am because we are. What is it? Mm. Y'all know? Oh, okay. It's like, I am because we are. Um, Yeah, and that's what it's making me think of. And I'm wondering as we close out, like, what what do y'all think is like the key to sustaining Black literary friendship? the key that's a (laughs) that's a heavy question um I don't know that I can point to a key or like a a aspect integrity Mm -hmm. say more about that yeah I think integrity hinges at the center of everything we've been talking we've been talking about you know showing up for the relationship's sake not for the art's sake being able to hold one another accountable being able to discuss our ethics being able to care about the person outside of any type of like business or competition or, you know, outside of the the work, if you will. I think that the real work is in the way that you show up for folks and the real work is the way that you you maintain your integrity and friendship. I think for me, mm-hmm. it's love. Like I need love. Like love is the how, the what, the why, the when, the where. Um, I also believe what's love got to do with it. You feel me? <laughs> I'm gonna say, girl, that's where I be at. So I <laughs> don't get it twisted. Like love will not sustain you alone, but yeah. without love, we will not be sustained. Right. That's fair. Um, and I always say that like my poems are only as great as I am. And I think these friendships help develop me as a person and thus is developing my work. So it's like, if you are not, I feel like pouring love into me is pouring love into my work and pouring love into my work. Well, that may not be true, but the people I'm thinking about, it applies. Um, Pouring love into my work is them pouring love into me because they also do the other work that comes with that. So I think love, it can't be the only thing, but it is definitely a key aspect that is going to sustain Black literary friendships for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I would say, this is about to sound so corny. Um, I think I would say kindness Mm. and a willingness to grow. And I kept going back and forth with whether my thing was going to be kindness or honesty, but I think honesty is included in kindness, but kindness isn't included in honesty. Mm. I think there have been people who have been honest with me who didn't care about me, um, and who didn't love me. Um, but honesty was an integral thing for them. And so they were honest Mm. with me. Um, and on the other end, I think willingness to grow, I think the combination of that and, and willingness to grow is important because I think part of friendships is that you're just about to see if you about, if you talk about friendships, friendships, Mm. like, come on, meaning we about to be in this thing for a long time. I remember Brittany, um, 
uh, when we were at the watering hole and, um, you know, we were in a workshop and we were just reminded, like, the folks that you're in community with now, like, you're going to be going to look around the room in 10 years and it's going to be those same folks. And in 20 years, and it's going to be those same folks. And where did Jericho Brown? What is it (laughs) for that amazing? It was, yes. Where did Jericho? Um, word to Jericho for that. And just thinking about that, like folks are going to see you through a lot of versions of yourself and not all of them are going to be good. Like, and the hope that one, you or me or whoever is not too stubborn to be able to receive accountable, like somebody holding them accountable, um, in a healthy way and be willing to change, but also that people wouldn't become disposable because I think it's easy or not easy, but it becomes easy to treat people as disposable, especially when you're young and you don't have like a concept of longevity. Like when you're 22 and like you only been in the community for two years, it's really hard to imagine for like the next 30 years, like that person that she was beefing with is going to be at the next function. Um, (laughs) And I think, so yeah, I think about that. So those are, those are my keys. Thank y'all. I feel so full. How y'all feeling? This has been cute. This was really yeah. beautiful. I y'all know I love talking about love. I feel so full. I feel so humbled to be on this call with y'all. I feel so loved and, and insulated as my word. Um, anything else, y'all, before I stop recording? I love I y'all. Love yeah. you. And just want to make it clear, this friendship has sustained me. Year one of MFA and COVID was rough. Right. Listen, not Randolph was great, but the the it was I literally just sent Brittany a text like, "Thank you for always listening to me complaining about school because <laughs> I be in my bag." Listen, that group chat saved us. That group chat had us straight up laughing through tears some days and this so this friendship has been i want to be clear this friendship has been a sustaining and amen to the group chat amen really amen. Grateful. amen amen all right somebody else gotta say goodbye y'all know i'm not good at goodbyes good night <laughs>